Beloved brothers and sisters, I join with the whole BSOP family extending God's peace to each one of you. During these very challenging and difficult times, it is our prayer that the words of the psalmist in Psalm 46 verse 1 will be your strength and encouragement. The psalmist said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. It is the prayer of our faculty, our staff, our students, that God will continue to strengthen, to protect, and to guide each one of us as we forge through these difficult times. And we know that if God is our refuge, God is our strength, then we can stand firm. Thank you so much for your partnership. Thank you so much for being prayer partners with us at BSOP. May God bless each one of you. As we come to God's Word this morning, would you join me as we ask for His blessings? Lord, let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of our hearts, may it be pleasing in your sight, O God. Would you speak to your people today, O God? We are listening and we are ready to obey, for we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. In May of 1987, there was a devastating flood that hit central China. During the flood, an ancient temple collapsed. As archaeologists were digging through the rubble, they made a startling discovery among the rubbles. You see, sealed in a miniature stone casket, they found what is believed to be a part of the finger of Buddha. Yes, they found a piece of Buddha's finger. It is now placed on display, and would you believe it, tens of thousands of people from all over would come because they want to pay homage to it. They would burn incense. They would place flowers all around the relic. In fact, one visitor was quoted as saying, I was born more than 2,000 years after the Buddha, but I fe felt deeply moved just by seeing his finger. Others said that they felt as if the Buddha himself was sitting in front of them. How would you react if someone claimed to have a preserved finger of Jesus? Would you be moved emotionally? Would you be inspired spiritually? The truth is, if someone could find a finger of Jesus, it would literally destroy Christianity. The reason is that the Christian faith rests on the fact that no such finger will ever be found. No finger, no hand, no body. For Jesus rose from the dead. His body is gone. The tomb is empty. Christians from all over would gather together not for a memorial service for a great religious teacher who lived 2,000 years ago. No, that's not why Christians gather together. 
Instead, they gathered together to proclaim the message that Jesus died for our sins, but He rose again from the dead. This is the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15.3, the Apostle Paul referred to this as of first importance. This is priority number one in the Christian faith. You may forget something, you may neglect other things, but this one you should not. The gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection from the dead is the foundation upon which everything that our faith is built on. This morning, I want to answer the question, what's so important about this gospel? Why is it something that we should hold first and in great priority? We would learn three lessons why this, the gospel is critically important. Let's look at each one of them as the Apostle Paul spells them out from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The first lesson, the first reason, that is, why the gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection is of primary importance is because the life of Christ has won and death has been defeated. The gospel tells us that the life of Christ has won, and death is defeated. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 4. The Apostle Paul said, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul tells us that at the core of our belief is that Jesus died for our sins and that He raised again from the dead. If Jesus had not raised from the dead, then there would be no power over death. We would have no hope of life beyond the grave. If death had conquered Jesus, it means that He could not have conquered death for us. As Paul said later on, in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. This is the core belief of the Christian faith. Without the resurrection, Jesus is just one of the dead religious teachers in history. But because of the resurrection, He is the Lord of all. He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. He has conquered hell. Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. In John 14, verse 19. Because Jesus rose from the grave, we too can say like Job in Job 19, 25 to 26, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. The reason Job can say that with confidence is because Jesus is alive. I'm reminded of a story 
of a missionary who once shared the gospel to an old Indian chief, telling him about the Lord Jesus Christ. He told he described Jesus as God's only way to heaven. The old sheep replied, saying, The Jesus road that you speak of is a good road, but I have followed the Indian road all my life, and I cannot change. A year later, as the old chief lay in his hut, deadly sick, he called for the, the missionary to come see him. The missionary hurried to his side and once more told him about Jesus Christ. The dying chief replied, saying, Can I turn to Jesus right now? I found out that my road stops here. There is no way through the valley. You know, every road that a man walks in this life ends at the grave. The roads of religion, the road of fame, the road of wealth, the road of success, they all end and they cannot take you through the valley of shadow of death. Only Jesus Christ can do that. So the message of the gospel, why it is of first importance, is that the life of Christ has won and death has been defeated. But that's not all. There's a second reason, according to the Apostle Paul, why the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again from the dead, is important. Secondly, it means that the life of Christ shines and the darkness has been extinguished. Not only the life of Christ is one, the light of Christ, it shines. It gives us meaning. It gives us purpose. It gives us hope. And it extinguishes the darkness around us. Would you listen to the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 5 to 11? It says there, And he, that is our Lord Jesus, appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is at work in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. What the Apostle Paul is saying is this, because Jesus rose again from the dead and was witness that the life of Christ have gone out into the lives of so many people whose life has never been the same anymore. He transformed what used to be cowards into bold witnesses for the gospel. Even a persecutor of the church is now a 
faithful apostle of the gospel. How did it all happen? Because the light of Jesus Christ shone into their life and they were not the same. Their life was transformed. They were changed. The darkness has been eliminated. Light is now shining in their life. But if Jesus is not alive, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then the light of the world has gone out. He who said, I am the light of the world, has been extinguished. If Jesus' light has been extinguished, then the light in our life would have been gone as well. There would have been no light in the world. How dark it would truly be. The hope of eternal life, of life after death, would have been gone. You know, even at the funerals of people who do not believe in Jesus, who do not have life in Him, who have no use for Jesus Christ, people still want to talk about that there's got to be something more, something beyond this life. And they look to something which we call heaven. They may reject Jesus, but they want to still believe that there's got to be something more. There's got to be light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. They want to believe that their loved ones continue to live in some way. But they have no assurance. They have no hope of that. But for those of us who know Jesus Christ, we know for sure because the resurrection of Christ brings light of hope into the present and also into eternity. Without the resurrection, we could not talk about heaven because there'll be no life now and into the future. The Apostle Paul said in verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 15, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If this life is all there is, if there's nothing more, that Christ could not do anything more for us beyond, we are to be pitied. We are to be in sorrow because there's nothing to look forward to. I love this story of three friends who were discussing about death. One of them asked his friends, what would you like people to say about you in your funeral? What would you like them to remind each other about you? The first friend would say, well, I would like them to say that I was a great humanitarian, that I cared about my community. That was wonderful. The second one said, well, I want them to say that he was a great husband and father, that he was a good example for all to follow after. And then they look at the third person, the third guy, and ask, what would you want people to say about you? He responded, well, I want them to say, look, he's moving. <laughs> you know, that's quite hilarious in one way, but isn't that the truth? Isn't that what we all want? That somehow looking at us, it's not about remembering about us, they want to see that we are moving, that we're still alive, so to speak. You see, without hope of heaven, without hope of what Christ had brought to us, 
That's what we want. We want to just live on, so to speak. But Jesus Christ has risen. That's the gospel. He died for our sin, and He had risen from the dead. He had opened the grave. He is alive at this moment. He transformed our life for now and for eternity. And for that reason, we can move, for, move on, so to speak, with confidence. I love the story of how a founder of a religion once came to see the great French statement, statements, Charles Maurice de Teleran Perigot, asking for help because he has not been getting a lot of converts to his religion. What do you suggest I do so that I would have more followers to my religion? The, state, the French statesman thought about it for a few minutes and responded this way. He said, I would recommend this for you. Get yourself crucified and then die, but be sure to rise again on the third day. Then you will have a lot of followers, said this French statesman. Well, that is the message of the gospel, isn't it? First, that the life of Christ has won. Death has been defeated. But it's also saying the light of Christ is now shining. The darkness in this world has been extinguished. But the Apostle Paul is not done yet. There is yet one more reason why the gospel, the gospel of Christ dying and rising again from the dead, should be of first importance. For... It is this, the sacrifice of Christ for our sins has been accepted and evil and judgment is conquered. The sacrifice of Christ is accepted and evil has been conquered. Would you go back with me to verses 1 and 2 of 1 Corinthians 15? Verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul began the chapter by saying, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received, in which you stand, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. What the Apostle Paul is saying in this first two verses it's this gospel that you have heard and that you receive. It's the gospel of salvation. It is, it is the message of sin forgiven, that you are now accepted into the family of God. And because of that, there is hope and forgiveness for all those who believe. Jesus died for the sins of the world. If sin killed him, and he was not able to rise from the dead, then sin would have won. Evil would have conquered that which is good. Paul said in verse 17 in the same chapter, if Christ had not rise from the dead, then your faith is futile. It's useless. Why? For you are still in your sins. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then he had failed. We, our sins, have, are still with us. It has not been forgiven. It has not been cleansed. And so we have no salvation. 
Perhaps some of you would have remembered there was a musical play called Jesus Christ Superstar, which was written by an atheist by the name of Andrew Lloyd Webber. He did not write it to tell the gospel of Jesus, but he wants to just tell of what he thinks of Jesus Christ. The ending of that musical is actually quite moving. The ending scene is that of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. The agony of the cross was powerfully portrayed. The tragedy of Christ's death was acted out quite movingly. But as you sit there and watch Jesus Christ died, the curtain comes down and it ends. If you're watching it on video, what comes after are the credits, the film credits, you know, who start the show, who are the producer, who are, you know, those who are responsible for this. That's it. That's the end of that musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. That is the end. The crucifixion without the resurrection. And if you look at that, it is indeed a tragedy in the fullest sense of the world. God came, but He was not able to save. Men are still in their sin. They could not do anything about it. But God came and saved the world. There is the cross, but there is also the empty tomb. Jesus rose again from the dead. The cross is not the end of the story. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, After He, the Lord Jesus, had provided purification for sins, He then sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. After Jesus paid for the penalty of our sins, He rose again, and He now sits in glory. He did this by rising from the dead and ascended into heaven. Within the truth of the resurrection is the promise of forgiveness of sin and our resurrection and our triumph over death. That is the joy of a believer. That is our confidence in our faith. You know, one of my favorite comic strips when I was growing up is a comic strip entitled B.C., those two words, B.C., in, this, in one of the strip, it showed two women sitting on a hill, and they were reading the Bible. They come across a part where one of the women said these words. Oh my goodness, it says here in the Bible that Jesus descended into hell, obviously quite distraught. The other women, shocked upon hearing that, replied, you're kidding. That's not true. And then the women with the Bible says, oh, oh no. He's, he didn't descend to hell to stay. He just dropped in to cancel our reservations. I like that. Jesus descended into hell. Yes, he died. Yes, he paid the penalty of our sin. He did descend to hell. But he was there only for a short while. He was there to cancel the reservation of all those who will believe in him. For those who believe in him 
will not experience the punishment of hell, for they will join him in heaven in glory. You know, there's more truth in that comic strip, in that short comic strip, than a library full of books. Because Jesus died, but he rose again. And because of that, we can be sure that our sins have been forgiven, that evil has lost a grip on us. You know, there is a strange tradition among Christians in Greece. The day after Easter, they dedicate it to telling jokes. It's, it's like April Fool's Day for Christians in Greece, the day after Easter. You may ask, why is it a day where people love to tell jokes? Why is, it, it, why is laughter covering that part of the world the day after Easter? In fact, people save up their very best joke to tell on that day after Easter. The reason for this is because Christians in that area believe that they were imitating God. Because Easter, the resurrection that, that happened on Easter was God's way of pulling a cosmic joke on the devil. You see, the devil had tricked mankind into killing God's son. For three days, he lay in the grip of death. It seems like all is over. It seems like the devil had the last word. But God set the world laughing, for Jesus Christ rose from the dead and was victorious over the devil, over sin, over the grave. No, the devil did not have the last word. No, evil did not have the last word, but God had the last word. And because he did, we may have joy, we may laugh, we may celebrate. And that is what the Christians, at least in that part of the world, bring to mind the day after Easter. If there is no gospel, if Jesus died and did not rise from the dead, death, darkness, and evil would have won. But we who know the gospel, we who accepted the gospel, who we believe the gospel and share the gospel know better. We proclaim that Jesus Christ died, but he rose again from the dead. And because of that, it means that the life of Christ had won. Death has been defeated. Because Jesus died and rose again, the light of Christ is now shining and darkness has been vanquished. Because Jesus died and rose again, the sacrifice of Christ is accepted, evil is conquered. Therefore, the songwriter is correct, who said, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, as the gospel tells us, he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. Dear brothers and sisters, do you have the gospel?
in your heart? Do you believe in the gospel? Is that what you want to share to all those around? The gospel is of first importance in our life. It should be the first importance that we, that we share it to everyone around us. May God bless us with His gospel and bless us and others will be blessed as we share it to others. Let us pray. Lord, fill us with laughter. Fill us with joy. Because as the gospel has been revealed to us, we know that you had the last word, that you are in control, that your light, that your life, that your forgiveness is with us. For that, we have joy, we have peace. Not only for us, but for all those that we share and who accept the gospel in their life. So may you move our hearts to quickly and effectively share the gospel to those who have yet to hear and believe in you. Grant us this joy, O oh God. Grant us this peace today and for all eternity. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.